Turn with me, um, just turn your Bibles to Romans 12, verse 2. We'll see how long I actually sit on the, the stool here. And uh, we're going to continue the conversation about um, Renewed and the series that we've been going through. And uh, this week I was hanging out with my two daughters. We've got a four-year-old and a six-year-old. And we were hanging out at home, and Dad was away um, meeting with somebody hanging out, actually with Brandon, I believe. And they were hanging out, and my girls were like, Mom, Mom, let's get a treat. Let's go do something. Whenever Dad goes away, we go play. And so we, um, it's, our two spots are usually Yogurtland or 7-Eleven because I really have this thing with Slurpees. I tried to get over it when I was in high school. Actually, I tried to get over it at, when I was out of college. I still can't get over it. I really like Slurpees a lot. So my daughters and I, instead of Yogurtland, too far of a walk, we went to 7-Eleven. And when we got back, they were like, Mom, we just want to watch a show. Can we watch a show? So we flipped on uh, the TV, and we uh, just happened to catch Blue's Clues. And um, of all things, this episode happened to be about dreams. And um, I'm thinking, how weird. Because if you've been around Urban long enough, you got our flyer, you checked out our website, you've talked to anyone here that's a part of Urban, you've gone to a community group, you're going to hear a lot about dreams. You're going to hear dreams, dreams, dreams. What's your dream? I have a dream. And we talk about dreams all the time. So here I am sitting at home with my two girls, pop on Blue's Clues, expecting some cute little, you know, and it was a cute little show, but Paprika was having dreams, and Mr. Salt and Miss Pepper were having dreams about Paprika, and they started talking all about how everyone has dreams, and some dreams come true, and it's up to you. And I thought, how cool is that? And if, you know, the more you hang out with us here at Urban, we believe that God has placed a dream inside of every single person. Um, you can, may call it dream, you may call it destiny, maybe you call it a purpose. God has given each one of us a purpose, a dream, a destiny, a God-given dream. He's placed that inside of each one of us. And our goal and what we desire to see happen here at Urban is we want to see every single person walk in that dream. We want to see each person here fulfill that dream, fulfill the purpose that God has placed in your life. And um, so tonight I want to talk about how renewed vision is really, um, it's necessary in order for us to not only see the dream that God has for us, not only begin to walk towards that dream, but to actually live in it and fulfill the dream. It is necessary for us to have our vision renewed. And um, as I was thinking about this and preparing, God took me to Romans 12:2, And we'll go ahead and read that um, <clears throat> together here if you're in your Bible. It says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing, everybody say renewing, of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That is our desire. We, we believe that God wants it for each one of us. Uh, we want it for each one of us. We want to be able to prove or test and figure out what that will that God has for our lives is. We want to know, God, what is that dream? What am I called to do? Am I called to be a teacher? Is, is it a dream that you have for me to be a physician and be a doctor? Do you have a dream for me to be a lawyer? God, do you want me to be on the mission field? God, do you want me to be a worship leader? God, what is it that you have for me? And we believe that there's a dream, and the Bible also talks about a treasure, that there's a treasure hidden inside of earthen vessels, that there's a treasure inside each one of us. And we want every person that's a part of Urban to figure out what that is, begin to take steps towards it and begin to fulfill it. But in order to do that, we see in the scripture that we first need to have some renewing take place. We've got to renew, be renewed. We've got to be renewed in our mind. 
vision, really, we all know what vision is. It's sight, the ability to see. Um, and so tonight, as I was preparing for the message, um, I realized that, that uh, there have been so many points in my life uh, where I've had my vision renewed. And, um, and I, can, I can literally pinpoint each point where, man, God renewed this, and I was able to see this more clearly than I ever saw it before, and I was able to see this, and wow, God opened my eyes to realize that. And so tonight, I really want to talk to you from my story, um, along with the scriptures. And uh, really, my story is all about, um, just like everyone else's story, it's all about the grace of God. Um, I grew up in an amazing family. Uh, amazing family. I had amazing parents uh, that loved me and provided for my every need. Um, I wasn't spoiled by any means. Um, I grew up on a farm. He would argue that point. Um, but I grew up on a farm. I was not spoiled, okay? I'll tell you that. Um, I, if I need a new pair of jeans, I'd go get a new pair of jeans. No problem with that. But I had to go shovel the stuff out of the, out of the barn that the, the horses and the cows and so it wasn't free, thank you very much, okay? I worked really hard for those jeans, okay? And it was smelly and it was disgusting, but gosh darn it, it was fun. Not really, but. Um, so I grew up with an amazing family and uh, not just amazing parents, but uh, grandparents and aunts and uncles. I feel like in, in some ways um, uh, I have many moms and many dads. My grandparents are really like, um, like my parents to me. Um, my aunts and uncles, my Aunt Sandy, just amazing, really helped raise me. We all grew up on the same road. Um, so I grew up right like 100 feet away from my aunt and uncle, um, just down the street from my grandma and grandpa. So I'm an amazing family. But um, throughout the years, uh, as I'd get a little bit older up into uh, my middle school age, uh, my parents got divorced. So my mom and dad got divorced. And and despite that, I still had an amazing life. I mean, it, it, took a, it took a toll on me. I didn't understand it. It was difficult to comprehend as a young, young girl. Um, but yet my family was just amazing, and they, they tried their best and did what they could to explain and be there for us and provide for us and continue that relationship with my mom and dad. But as the years would go on, you know, I'd get into high school, and um, I grew up, and some people think that I'm like 20 years old. Um, and I praise God for that every day, but I'm not. Um, I, I graduated from high school in 93. I'm 33 years old. Um, but uh, back in the day, high school, freshman year, it was all about the mall bangs, and I have the perfect hair to have big hair. I mean, we're talking like when I just want to, it's just throw a little mousse in, and we're talking volume, um, big volume, you know. And so I remember the, the freshman year and going to the football game, and, you know, any kind of sports in a small town is a really big deal. Everybody goes. And so I'm, at, I'm not really there for the football. I'm there checking out my hair in the bathroom, you know, with the girlfriends, getting the mall bangs up as far as they could possibly go. Uh, I should have done it for tonight, huh? That would have been cool. Um, not really. Um, and so, whoo, hi. And so I'm, I'm out there, and I'm, I'm doing the hair, hanging out with the girlfriends, and all of a sudden, that guy... You know, all of us girls, you know the, the one guy uh, in school, in high school, starts walking down, and it looks like he's coming your direction, and he's the junior in high school, and so he's a couple years older than you, and he's the popular one, and oh my gosh, he's coming our way, oh my gosh, he's coming, and oh my gosh, he's putting his arm around me, and oh my gosh, he's asking me if I'm Katie. You're Katie, right? 
in that seductive, you know, cool guy, high school guy, junior um, way. And, and I didn't even, I don't even know what I said back. I think I was just like, uh-huh. You know, I was like freaking out. I was too busy looking at my girlfriends that were on the other side of him going, oh my gosh, he's talking to you right now, you know. And I'm totally enamored, totally excited. Here's this, you know, older guy interested in me. You know, every girl wants to be dating him, and here he's coming and talking to me. What's that all about, you know? And so needless to say, it didn't take long before I was dating him. And um, next thing I knew, literally four years, like, flew by. I had dated him all four years of my high school career, which I would never recommend to anyone. Um, and, you know, I, I honestly, I, it's weird. I don't know how it happened. It just was like, whew, it went, and there we go. And so here I come to find out, get towards the end of my senior year in high school. And uh, just, it just went from bad to worse with this guy, and he just was a complete jerk, to be honest. Um, turns out he was um, the drug dealer of the school. Um, he was not only that, but he, he, he got around, not just with me, um, with my friends. And so, you know, senior year of high school, that all gets revealed to me, and I just said, see ya, you know, forget that, and I was out of there. Um, I went from the small town of Yelm to the big city of Seattle, downtown Seattle, living up on Capitol Hill, going to school at Seattle University. Um, talk about, like, two different, completely different worlds. I mean, we're talking, grew up in a small town on a farm. And, you know, it, it was a long ways to get to the nearest movie theater. I mean, dear God, we had to drive, like, 40 minutes to get to the nearest movie theater. And here I am living in downtown Seattle, and it, it was awesome. Um, all throughout high school, part of the reason why I never knew that he was the, the well, I had an idea, but the, n the reason why I never really knew the stuff he was doing and involved in is because, I had amazing parents, and uh, they put pr some pretty strict guidelines on me, but when I got to college, there ain't no parents, there's no small town, there's no aunt living down the street that's going to see if you sneak out, you know, none of that stuff, and so it was just, you know, it's on, you know, I'm in college, and, you know, I want to have a good time, and, you know, I'm done with the whole guy thing, I'm just going to have fun, and so I got involved in the party scene. Um, pretty heavily went to whatever party was going on at the time. Uh, that's where I, I got really heavily into the alcohol and um, experimented a lot with the drugs. And I uh, was attending Seattle University and just always um, really wondering, you know, what really is out there for me and wanting um, joy and wanting fulfillment and just figured, hey, you know, party, have fun. That's what it's all about, right? You know, so I'll go have a good time. And so I got involved in that whole scene, and next thing I knew, I get a phone call, and who is it? Lo and behold, it's, you know, the ex-boyfriend calling up saying, hey, I'm in town, you want to hang out? And I figure, sure, yeah, sure, I'll have fun. This time, though, I'm going to mess with you instead of you messing with me. Like, I'm going to hurt you instead of you hurting me. So I'll, I'll see where this goes, and I'll have a good time. And that, of course, again, went from bad to worse, and um, it was not long before um, I was very much involved in the whole drug scene with him, um, doing the lines of coke, sitting in the middle of the um, room with the eight ball on the scale. Um, I mean, it just, it went from, it just got really ugly, and, um, but I figured, you know, this guy likes me, right, and I'm longing for just you know, fulfillment in life. I'm longing for somebody to love me and show me affection and 
all this. And so I, I just got involved with it, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And, um, you know, the, the whole party thing and hanging out and the alcohol, great time, right? Hebrews 11.25 says that, you know, it talks about the passing, the passing pleasures of sin. So what that means is sin is pleasurable, and it's pleasurable for a moment. And that moment goes by real quick. Because the next morning, when you're hovering over it, we'll just pretend this is my little, what do they call it? The throne? The porcelain, you know, just beautiful. <laughs> you know, and you're just heaving everything into this, this beautiful white seat that other people sit there. Let's just not go there. It's ugly, you know. And so here, you know, a few hours prior, you know, I think I'm having a great time, and it's fun, and it's a good time, and, you know, and I black out for the rest of the stuff that was bad, and so, you know, but then the next morning, I'm waking up to this thing that hadn't been cleaned in, dear God, I don't know how many months. I mean, this guy's house was just absolutely disgusting. Um, and to think, you know, so to think that I was having a good time, here I'm just like, what in the world am I doing? I had a great family, I have a great family, and they taught me so much better, and here I am hugging a toilet. What is wrong with this picture, you know? I'm like hugging a toilet, and I'm sneaking around doing lines of coke and meth, and, and then I'm on the floor in a room tweaking, you know, picking my skin, thinking that this is fun, you know? Oh my gosh, you know? What is fun about that? What I mean, so here I'm just like, you know, everything would wear off, and I'd just be sitting there in just such darkness, wondering what in the world is going on? What did I get myself into? How did this happen? And um, I think some of us can, you know, we can relate to that. Some of us can't relate to it all. Thank God, by the grace of God, you can't. Um, but here, you know, here all this is taking place, and... I've got an amazing family, but if I go to my family and talk to them about what's going on, then I have to admit and own up to my mistakes. You know, here I've got, you know, all the, the relationship stuff, and, but, you know, that's just not getting better. It's getting worse, and so here the alcohol and the drugs are making that pain of that at least go away for a time. And um, so it just was getting worse and worse, and I was just going down the spiral into further darkness. And um, next thing I knew... I was in my uh, sophomore year, first semester, at Seattle University, and um, I was in the bathroom of the dorms um, with my girlfriend, and um, I had a little stick in my hand, and I found out that I was pregnant, and um, the world just came crashing down on that at that very moment, and um, all of a sudden, it was like a whirlwind just began to happen, and call up the boyfriend, and his first words out of his mouth is, I'll go with you to the abortion clinic. Walk over to Planned Parenthood just to figure out, is this, you know, this can't really be happening. This isn't really happening. This can't be happening. So I walk over there, and they confirm it, and the first thing the, the nurse does is she hands me the pamphlet. It says, this is the nearest abortion clinic, and we've made an appointment for you on this day. And so next thing I knew, I was in the, the waiting room at the abortion clinic, and I was sitting, and I looking across from me in the other seat is this woman, 
that begins to talk to me about whether or not I understand the decision that I'm making. And at that time, I was so confused. I was so numb. I was so scared. I was so filled with absolute fear. I'm looking back at her, and in my mind, on the inside, I'm screaming, no, what do you mean do I understand the decision I'm making? Everything inside of me is screaming no. And what came out of my mouth was yes. And do you, are you sure you want to do this? And I didn't know God. I didn't know who God was. The, um, I think the most closest experience I had to God was a Catholic Mass that I had t- attended because um, Seattle University was a Jesuit um, Catholic University. Um, and then as a little girl, my brother and I discovered a big book in the hallway closet at our house. We started flipping through that book. And uh, looking at it, we saw this man practically naked, and he had blood all over him. And we thought, ooh, you know, we're looking at something bad, you know. And we just closed it and put it away. So I didn't know who God was. I had no idea. But I'll tell you what, even not knowing who God was, not understanding what the Bible says, I knew that the decision I was making at that moment, I just, down inside of me, I knew it was wrong. And I was scared out of my mind. I had no idea what I was doing. Next thing I knew, I was walking back into the waiting room. And the ex-boyfriend just puts his arm around me, almost in relief, you know, that it was done. And after that moment, something, <clears throat> something literally died inside of me. I mean, literally. And I, at that moment, experienced, you know, the Bible says in Romans 623 that the wages of sin is death and even though I didn't know anything about God even though I didn't really know much about church at all I I understood death I was I was living it I was experiencing it I didn't know that scripture but I knew it at that moment so I left that clinic and from that point on the drugs and the alcohol it wasn't enough to take away the pain I would take it away for a little while, and I'd feel numb for a little while. Then after that, it would leave, and, and I couldn't handle being with myself. I couldn't handle thinking to myself, man, is this, is this really where I brought myself to? You know, I, you know, I couldn't handle the thought of hurting family any longer. So there came a night, um, it, just, it just turned ugly. And I was done. I was tired of hurting. I was tired of being faced with the reality of what I had done. And I took a bottle of pills, and I downed them that night. And I swallowed that bottle of pills. I laid down on the bed, and I was just, I was done. I was finished. I don't know how much time passed, but that ex-boyfriend of mine showed up and drug me into the bathroom and tried to get me to throw up those pills. And... He looked at me and he said, you need to leave because I've got drugs and weapons here and I'm not going to have you die here in this place and have them show up. So you need to leave. So not really knowing where I was at, what was happening, I hopped in my car and I began to drive the hour and a half drive to my studio 
apartment in downtown Seattle. I don't remember anything from that point at which I got in the car and drove out of that parking lot until the next morning when I woke up on the floor of my studio with my keys and my purse next to me. And I woke up in tears because I was mad. I was mad that I was still there and I was scared out of my mind that I was still alive. I had, there was no reason why I should still be alive. How I didn't kill numerous people on my way to that studio in downtown Seattle, I have no idea. Mind you, I didn't have a clue about God at this point still. All I knew is, man, I'm scared. I'm alive. I'm hurting. So I need to call my mom. <laughs> That's all I knew. So I got to call mom because, you know, she's the constant in my life. She's the one that, man, she, she at this point was doing everything in her power to, to get a hold of me and, and help me. And, and so I get on that phone and I call my mom. I'm like, Mom, I need help. I need, I need help. I need to get out of here. I, I was so scared at that moment. I was so scared. It, it, I couldn't explain it, but I understood that, okay, there must be a reason why I'm here. The fact that I'm alive and the fact that I'm breathing, they're, they're, it just scared me out of my mind. And so I called my mom. She got me out of the situation I was in. Many scary nights of being threatened that I was going to be killed. Um, got away from the situation and the people. And started pretending that I was living. Um, have you ever seen this movie? Uh, what's the name of it? That movie that we saw. Um, you fell asleep. That's how good it was. Um, we saw it not too long ago. I think it was a visitor. Um, uh, he felt, it was really late. That's why he fell asleep. But I'm sure, you know, it was a good movie. But uh, there's a line in this movie uh, where the, the main character of the movie, he, he's talking to this woman, and, and he realizes that there are some people that need help. And so he starts helping them. And through helping them, he just starts to come alive. And she begins to talk to him. He says, you know, I'm going to leave where I've been, you know, what I'm doing, and I'm going to take a leave of absence, and I'm going to come and I'm going to help you. And, and she's telling him, no, 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 you don't, you're busy, you're busy, you don't need to come help me. And he makes this statement, he says, I pretend. I pretend that I'm busy, but I'm really not. And so when I heard that statement, I thought, man, that's so like me at that moment. I was pretending that I was alive. I was just pretending. I was doing what everybody does, right? I was going to work so that I could get the money and get the paycheck so that I could eat, so that I could pay for rent, so I could go to sleep in the bed in, that, in the apartment that I paid for rent, so that I could wake up the next morning and go back to work, so that I could get the paycheck, so that I could pay the rent and get the food, so that I could go to sleep and wake up the next morning. And I was doing this routine, and I figured, well, that's better than the other option because I've tried that, and it's not good. And so I was content with pretending that I was living and then all of a sudden something changed and a friend calls me from, you know, out of town and says, uh, I'm in town, I need a place to stay, can I crash on your couch? And I figure, shoot, you know, I guess, you know, I just at this point didn't want to have people around me because people really messed me up. It was people that kind of got me, yeah, right, I made my own decisions, but I was trying to keep my distance um, not just because I was concerned about being hurt by people, but more so because if I was around people, they might begin to see my pain. 
And, but she comes and she's living with me for a while and she was a Christian all throughout high school and she knew my stuff, a little bit of my stuff. She didn't know all my stuff. But she knew some of my stuff and she starts hanging out with this guy that she worked with and this guy that she worked with was a Christian and knew all these other people and she, she starts hanging out with all of them. And she says, you know what, you need to come. You need to hang out with us. You need to come. You need to hang out with us. And I'm like, no, 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 no. So the good friend that she is, she brings them over to my apartment. <laughs> Yeah, that was nice. Um, so they come walking in my door. You know, I'm, I'm at home. I'm, I'm kicking back, and I'm like, I'm ready to just relax and have a good night to myself. And all of a sudden, the door opens, and she walks in. Her friend walks in. And then this tall guy, really handsome, played basketball, and he was really funny, walks in. And I thought, my whole plan is ruined right here. Like, this is not good. Like, he is really good looking. And, um, and of course, it was my uh, not husband at the time then, but my husband now. And so I started hanging out with all these people, and something started to drive me crazy. Because um, they just, they had something, there was something about their lives that just, I just clearly did not have. And they would sit around me, and they'd talk about God. They'd talk about church. They'd talk about how God did this, and, and their family this, and their family that. And my, my dad, you know, had this issue, and we were praying for him. And they talked about it like, it was, like God was just a part of their lives. And that really confused me because I'd never been, really been around people that were like that. And so here I am, you know, around these people that, um, that know God and... Um, and, and just had something that I didn't have. And so one night they um, called up and said, hey, you want to go to church? And at first I said no, and then they called up again the next week and said, hey, do you want to go to church? And finally, after just being totally annoyed by these people because there's just something about them, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go to this place that you talk about all the time and figure out who this God is that you talk about all the time. And so I went to church, and I'll never forget the first time I walked in, worship was happening just like we experiencing worship tonight. And, um, and so I'm, I'm standing up, and all these people are, got smiles on their faces, and I start clapping. I'm reading the words on the, on the screen, and I just something inside of me just wells up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is it. Like, I am feeling something I've never felt before. Um, this is what I've been looking for. This is what the drugs didn't bring, the alcohol didn't bring, the guy didn't bring, the you name it, didn't bring. But there's something about this. And I turn to my friend who's standing right next to me, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, this is, this is it. And she looks at me like, like, I'm like, I just want to punch you right now. Like, this is awesome, you know? And, and I'm just like, what is this? This is incredible. And so we, I've, I'm like in church for, you know, a week and a half. Every time the door was open, I was there. Never had an altar call for salvation to get right with Jesus. We're hanging out one night, and um, we're, we're all just chilling, having a good time, and start talking about God. And all of a sudden, Ben turns to me and says, Well, but Katie, have you ex ever accepted Jesus into your life? That very moment, all the scriptures I had heard on Sunday, I had been reading my Bible at that point, and I'd read all the scriptures, you know, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. I'd read all these scriptures, and, and at that moment I burst down in tears, and I'm like, no, I haven't, but I want to. I've wanted to, but I honestly, I just don't know how. I mean, it's like, I, I had no clue. You know, ask Jesus into your heart. It's like, you know, come in. 
you know, come in, Jesus. I don't know how to do this. Like, what are you talking about, you know? What is that? And so he sits down and he explains to me, you know, you just say a prayer and this is how you say it. And God comes in and he forgives you and he heals you and he saves you. And I prayed that prayer that night and my life completely changed. Months passed on and obviously I had a lot of stuff, a lot of baggage, a lot of issues in my life. And as time progressed, God continued to deal with that and um, deal with those issues in my life. And, and time went on and, and I'm, I'm doing good at this point. And, and we're, we're engaged, much time, a few, several months went on, we're engaged and we're at Northwest University up in, um, up in Kirkland and we're sitting in a chapel service and it was an incredible chapel service, worship is happening and I, I'll never forget it, we were bowed over and we had our heads down and we were praying and God began to give me a vision and I saw myself in this vision or in this dream and, and I saw God was showing me what my purpose was, he was showing me the plan that he had for my life. And I looked up, and at the same moment, Ben looks up, and he looks at me, and he goes, you're not going to believe what God just showed me. And I'm like, wait, 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 God just showed me something, too. That's so awesome. And I begin to explain it, and he finished it. God had given us the exact same vision at the exact same moment and begin to show us and reveal to us the dream that he had for our lives. And I would love to say that, you know, at that time, my vision was renewed, and I was ready to go, and I began to walk in, the, take the steps towards fulfilling that dream. Um, but really what happened at that moment is I began to doubt. I began to seriously doubt. I'm like, God, you just showed me that, but God, do you know who you just showed that to? <laughs> uh, really, God? I mean, you're, you're talking to the girl that when I look in the mirror, I see the young woman who had the abortion, who aborted her child. When I look in the mirror, I see the young woman who tried to kill herself. When I look in the mirror, God, I see the young woman that was in abusive relationship. God, when I look in the mirror, this is what I see. God, are you really sure about this? And I began to wrestle with the whole idea of the dream that God gave me and really wondering if it's possible. Like, you know, people like that don't, don't teach the Bible, do they? I mean, are they really qualified to do that? People like that, do they really have any right to tell people about Jesus and teach them the Word of God? Do people like that? And I begin to question, I begin to wrestle. I'd hear the thoughts come to my mind. And, and really, you know, some people would say, you know, the devil just comes in. The Bible says he's the accuser of the brethren which means he comes and he accuses you of all the things you have ever done. And believe me, he's good at that, and he does that often. But I, I really, he, he was kicking back. He was chilling. He was sipping on a drink. He was sitting by the beach. He didn't need to do anything. I was doing it all for him. I mean, he, he was out of business. I was doing a good job. I was talking to a friend a few weeks ago about, you know, something. I had done something, and I just messed up. And I was like, oh, 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 and I was beating myself up. And she's like, don't let the devil, you know, harass you about that little mistake. No big deal. And I'm like, he's not harassing me. I just looked at him. I'm like, he's not harassing me. I'm doing it for him. Like, I, I know all my stuff, and I'm doing a really good job, like, just beating myself up. And so he doesn't need to do anything. He doesn't need to come my way. I'm doing it all for him right now. And that was me. Here I've got this grand vision. Here I'm about to marry this man, that if this man knew, and at the moment he didn't know yet that I had had the abortion, he didn't know, you know, what 
all had taken place in my life. And I remember thinking, man, if he finds out, he's gone. He is gone. Because here's a man who grew up in church all of his life. Here's a man who, who knows God. And, and, and if I tell him, he's gone, man. I have no, no hope for a marriage like this. I'll never forget the time I had that conversation with him. And he looked at me, and he hugged me, and he cried with me. And he said, it doesn't matter. He's like, it doesn't matter. He's like, I don't care. He's like, if God forgave you, how can I not forgive you? And I was like, please forgive me. And he even looked at me and he's like, I don't need to forgive you. Like, what are you talking about? He's like, God forgave you. I don't need to forgive you. And I just remember sitting there at that moment just going, what? Wow. Like, this is beyond what I could imagine because I didn't imagine that in, the wildest, in my wildest dreams. I thought the worst. The Bible says in several scriptures, says it in Psalm 103, verse 12, says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. But yet when I looked in the mirror, all I saw was all the junk. I saw all the mistakes. I saw all that stuff. And I couldn't picture myself in that dream that God showed me. I couldn't picture how could that be. But yet the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, he took that away from me. The Bible also says, you can write it down in your notes if you take notes. The Bible also says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. But yet when I looked in the mirror, I saw the old things. We were hanging out the other day uh, with our daughters, and we took them over to Yogurtland because Yogurtland's the other place that we love so much. Um, and we were having some yogurt, and there was this little gnat that was flying around, just kind of came and was flying around. And my four-year-old daughter had a big scoop of yogurt in her in her spoon, and she was like this, and she saw the gnat, and she's like, ah, ah, you know, trying to get rid of it. And um, we're freaking out. We're like, chill, chill, please, chill. And um, finally, we calmed down the situation. She's just got yogurt all over her shirt. And Ben looks at her and goes, Faith, look at what you did. Now look at your shirt. It's just filthy. There's yogurt everywhere. And she just looks at him and goes, I don't care, Dad. I'll just wash it. I mean, I don't care, Dad. I'll just wash it. Like she can really wash the clothes, okay? The day that that happens, praise God, I'll be putting them to work, okay? The day that she can actually reach the washing machine, that's going to be... That's going to be heaven for me. Um, She's like, I don't care. I can just wash it. So here I was looking in the mirror and seeing the reflection coming back that was not a reflection that God had, not the reflection that God saw. Here I was looking, and I saw the shirt with the yogurt all over it still. I looked, and I saw all I could see was I'm just pinpointing all of the stains. But when God looks down, he looks down and he's like, what are you talking about? I see a shirt that is pure white. I don't see any stains. The Bible says that Jesus went to the cross. And when he went to the cross, he was beaten. He was bruised. He was, he was stripped and, and hung on that cross in shame. Jesus went to the cross. He took my shame. Jesus went to the cross. And he took stripes on his back for my healing. And he did it for you, and he did it for me. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. 
That what? That we could have an okay life and maybe fulfill a dream or two? No, but that we might have life and, and really experience eternal life. And the Bible talks about how Jesus comes to give life and life more abundant. And so here, you know, tonight as we talk about dreams and as we talk about renewed vision, I believe that tonight God wants to renew your vision tonight. What do you see when you look in the mirror? When you imagine the dreams that you have and you imagine the, the purpose that God has given to you, what do you see when you look in the mirror? Do you see a person that really is going to fulfill that dream? Or do you see someone that's disqualified? Do you see all of your mistakes? Do you see all of your failures? Do you see the times when you gave up? And do, what, what do you see when you look in the mirror? When we drive a car down the street, we don't look in the rearview mirror to go forward. The rearview mirror is very small compared to the windshield that we have to look through. But I think that too often times in life, we're too busy looking in the rearview mirror trying to get to our destination. And when we look in that rearview mirror, one of two things is going to happen. Either we're going to crash really bad. It's not going to be good. Or we're never going to get to the destination. We're going to get thrown off track. And tonight I believe the scripture in Philippians 3 verse 13 says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I believe God wants some of you here tonight, maybe, maybe your story isn't like my story. Maybe it's vastly different. Maybe your story is more like my husband's story. And one thing that God showed me is it's not about my story or your story, but it's about his story. And his story is all about grace. Because the Bible says in Romans that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one of us here today that is perfect. And if you are, you must be Jesus. Are you out there? Come in the flesh, back for us all. No. The Bible says that all have sinned. We've all made mistakes. We've all fallen. We've all sinned. But can I tell you tonight that those mistakes and those sins do not disqualify you from fulfilling the dream that God has for your life. God wants to help you forget the things that are behind and look ahead to the things that he has in store for you. Jesus died on that cross to forgive you of those sins, to heal you, and to give you a life that is far better than anything you could have ever imagined.